if nothing changes and all of these things that are not working in your life or are broken or just, you know, draining you or negative influences or toxic or whatever, if, um, if nothing changes, then, and if you're not okay with that, then you need to make a move now. Don't wait 10 years from now, five years from now. If you're not going to be, you know, if nothing changes, then you got to make a move now. And that's what I did. And I changed pretty much everything in my life uh, from that defining question because I knew. I knew that I just, there needed to be a breaking point. There needed to be a change. And I just had to really get honest with myself. And it was really hard. I had to start over in many areas of my life. Welcome to the Pave Your Paradise podcast. I'm Mandy Ross, international media personality, speaker, writer, life cheerleader, and coach. Each episode, I'll share a guest or an idea to help you blast through your limiting beliefs, nourish your soul, and connect with yourself to take your relationships, health, business, and life to a next level. We don't play small. We're meant for great things. We take our struggles and turn them into slam dunk successes. This is the place for you to create your best you so you can pave your personal path to paradise. Are you with me? Let's do this. Thank you so much for joining me on Pave Your Paradise podcast. Michaela, it is a pleasure to have you on the show today. Excited to be here. Oh, I know. It's been a little while since you and I have caught up and what a perfect opportunity then putting you on my podcast. Absolutely. I'm excited for our chat today. Thanks uh, for the opportunity to uh, be on your show. Absolutely. You're definitely someone who I highly respect. And I think you will just bestow so much wisdom on my audience today. So one question that I always ask everybody who's on, what was the first thing you did when you woke up this morning? Hmm. I ease my way into the day. So this morning I woke, opened my eyes and I just uh, lay, lazed around for about 10 minutes in bed and just kind of orienting myself to the day. That's the first thing I did. So really it's, it's nothing. I do nothing. <laughs> <When I'm-> <laughs> <laughs> that is okay. I would rather you say that. I've had some interesting answers. So that is awesome. Now, aside from work, what gets you up in the morning? I think it really depends on what is happening uh, that day, that week. So it's, there's the general things that I'm excited about with regards to the clients that I'm working with, or maybe I'm producing content and I'm excited about that or uh, the people that I'm meeting with. So there's, there's that piece. So that's part of it uh, in terms of the, the content of what I'm going to be doing and, and engaging in that. And then the bigger picture is really just an opportunity to, to really, you know, live out that that purposeful work and just just move the needle forward on that generally so that's kind of the the bigger why in terms of uh, what gets me excited Um, and then of course all the things that I'm doing are related to that why so I get excited about how it plays out throughout the day and the week as well. Mm, That's a really big one. I think a lot of people can resonate with that in having goals that you set daily. What has been the highlight of your week so far? The highlight of my week so far. These questions are hard. (laughs) 
<laughs> is, that, is that a compliment? <laughs> yeah, to your interview skills. Oh my gosh, I am not the best uh, thinker on my feet. I need to think back. Uh, let's Person see. That comes to mind. <laughs> don't overthink it, Michaela. Don't overthink it. <laughs> you know, the highlight of the week is I would have to say I went to an event on Tuesday, um, Tuesday evening, and I hadn't been to a business networking type of event in, in quite a while. But to be honest, I was a little bit nervous because I hadn't, like I said, I hadn't been to one in a while and I used to run events and that sort of thing. And I'm, I'm traveling in and out of Vancouver a lot. And so I was really pleasantly surprised by who was in the room and the energy in the room and the positivity and the willingness for people to share and be vulnerable and it was just a really inspiring evening of connection that I was not expecting at all I think that to me was has been the highlight so far and it's only Thursday so the the best is yet to come right (laughs) I love that yeah it's amazing how much especially I think when you're a solo or an entrepreneur how much those events like sharing that space with like-minded and like-hearted individuals is so imperative because a lot of times we get so stuck in our own little kind of bubble of what we're doing and then you go out and you connect is the beautiful word you used with so many other people that are on a positive trajectory like yourself just that energy that's shared is amazing. Exactly. And especially, you know, I'm an introvert. And so I don't get energy from those kinds of events. Um, And I'm really protective of my energy. I practice, try and practice energy management as much as possible. That was another piece of it is, you know, as somebody who is an introvert and who doesn't necessarily get energized by being around people and being engaging with people all the time, it was a again, a pleasant surprise because it's a good reminder about what happens when if you're in the right environment with the right people, it actually does make a difference. It can, even as an introvert, it can give you energy. It's, it's really all about those environments that you're in and who's there and what the intention is around that. And it's just, it's really powerful. So it can be either a really good energizing experience or I'm sure we've all walked into a room where we just feel drained after having been there even for an hour. So absolutely. I completely understand. Yeah. It's one or the other with me too. It's like, uh, it can either be incredibly uplifting and energizing or the total opposite where it's just draining and heavy. And like, I'm like, get me out of here. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You chatted a little bit about going to an event and the fact that you're an entrepreneur and that you're an introvert. But I will say one of the main reasons I really wanted to have you on the podcast today is because of the incredible work that you are doing in the world professionally. But on a personal level, I know your story. And when you shared your story originally with me, I was just so moved by the amount of personal growth that you have achieved in your life. And I would love it if you could share more about yourself and your background, both personally and professionally with my audience. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you for asking. Every time I get asked this question, it's the story uh, comes together right? And each piece sort of pulls itself together in a a new and different way. So 
I think it's really important that we do share our stories um, because it's part of the growth process, I believe, in, in doing that when we share our stories with others. And my story has taken me many years to piece together. Of course, hindsight is always so wise, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty, And so over the years, I have looked back to, to piece the bits and pieces together. And, and really the story as it is today, you know, the main story of what drives me to do what I do and what has driven the decisions that I've made in my life in terms of my work and um, professionally and my, my personal growth work really starts when um, I'm uh, a child. And, um, and so my parents are immigrants. They immigrated uh, from Italy to Canada in the late 50s. And they came in search of opportunity and a better life for themselves. Um, this was after, after uh, the Second World War. There wasn't a lot of opportunity um, in Italy. And so they came here. They took the courageous step to, to, uh, to, to move uh, without a plan, really. And they each came here with little money and zero English language skills, sort of a typical immigrant story of that era. They cast a better uh, life, a vision for a better life for themselves in Canada. They, they became business owners. They had little uh, education. And so it was uh, sort of the easy easiest access point was to become an entrepreneur. So they did that and they worked really hard and everything was for the family. And it was a traditional patriarchal Italian home that I grew up in. My father, who was five foot 11, 180 pounds, could blow a fuse quite easily when he disapproved of something. And as a shy, introverted child, it was, I, it, I was fearful, you know, looking at it through that, the eyes of that six-year-old child, so like when I used to speak in English, he used to scold me and say, speak in Italian, speak in Italian, you know, and um, I, I used to sort of shrink back at the, the sound of his voice. And because of this, my mother was constantly walking on eggshells and taught my sister and I to not upset your father. And I remember I was six years old eating dinner with my parents as we did every night, uh, you know, big Italian dinner lasting several hours as a child having to to sit at the dinner table until everyone was done eating and each night like every other night the the dinner conversation ended up in a, some sort of an argument and when i asked questions and challenged my father's opinion my mother would kick me under the table and she'd say basta enough and so it was like don't speak right was the message that i got and i can't count the number of times that i was kicked in the shins just for trying to share my opinion or say something at the table, let alone questioning uh, my father. But I was six years old and I remember thinking, wow, it's dangerous to talk. Every time I speak, bad things happen. I believe that at, in that moment during those years, this negative imprint just landed in my brain, which said, don't speak because it's dangerous to do so. And so I spoke less and less and I guarded myself more and more until it kind of stunted that growth in a way. By eight years old, I had developed a debilitating fear of speaking to the point where I stuttered quite a lot. And I, you know, couldn't even get the words out like that. 
it wasn't a hundred percent of the time, but it was in, it was happening enough where I was so embarrassed and so frustrated. And I remember one incident, I was 10 years old and I was with my grandmother and it was started to stutter and words were stumbling out of my mouth and she was scolding me. And why do you do that? And uh, why do you speak like that? And stop doing that. That's not nice. And, and by not nice, she meant, you know, you're making a bad impression, right? And an important Italian cultural value is all about la bella figura, like preserving good face, you know, and, you know, what will people think? And so, so I'm developing this set of beliefs, right, about, oh, people are going to be thinking badly, and people are judging me, and I, you know, I'm having trouble speaking, and so I'm going to be made fun of, and all these things ended up happening. And I was, made fun of and and I was judging myself and I spoke less and less people thought I was stupid and you know and so that all compiled sort of emotional dysfunction psychological abuse if you will just layered uh, into my brain and I started hiding you know hiding parts of myself didn't accept myself for who I was if I couldn't speak without stuttering I didn't want to speak at all no matter how hard I tried to get rid of this speech problem it was still there you know every morning when I woke up I could pray as hard as I I wanted to but you know I tried to get help but the help just wasn't there the doctor said oh it's all in your head you just need to talk slower other people said oh you have a motor skill problem your brain isn't wired right everyone told me that I had a problem and that it couldn't be fixed and 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 the the thing of it was is that in my heart of hearts i knew that this wasn't who i was because prior to 8 years old i was free spirited and you know uh, reading aloud and having no problem so you were aware of the trauma that's like your soul knew and your gut knew that that wasn't the you never resonated with that actually being the real you exactly but i didn't at the time, I probably wouldn't have articulated it that way, but looking back on it now, that's exactly what was happening because I could feel it and I could sense it. And a highly sensitive child, and so I knew, I felt it. And so really that feeling was what drove me and you know, maybe you call it inner wisdom, maybe you call it spirit, maybe you call it intuition, whatever you call it. But that inner voice, that inner knowing of, no, you don't have to settle for this. This is not what your life needs to look like. That's what led me to make the decisions that I made. Because I started to bump up against where I was hiding and allowing the speech impediment to be a hindrance. And it was showing up in college. It was showing up in jobs. It was showing up with friends and family. And it was really debilitating and stopping me from living my life. I was destined to not have a job and and not, you know, and or do a job where I didn't have to talk (laughs) to people. Yeah, you know, and so that really then led me to I think I was about 18 years old to say enough is enough, I need help. And I was the one that sought out my first therapist. And then the road continued from there. And, um, and so that's how it all got started, if you will. 
Yeah. I just want to say too, thank you so much for sharing your story. You know how I feel about sharing and you know how I feel about sharing your personal stories. Mm-hmm. And honestly, Michaela, every time you tell me this story, because I've heard it a few na- times now about your childhood, my heart literally just listening to you breaks inside. And I just want to hug that little six-year-old. Like I just want to hug her so badly mm-hmm. and it's not to say like I get that I'm sure your parents are very loving but they just did the best that they could in that moment I know that you've gone through a lot of forgiveness process and all of that so this is by no means just for people listening to it's not about like a harp on your parents but that's just what happened and that's just the way it unfolded just listening to it though I think there's so many of us that can resonate with things that are parents did to us in our past that left such a traumatic imprint. Something that sounds as simple as someone saying, don't talk or someone kicking you in the shin. Those things over time leave such a dramatic and traumatic imprint on us. Absolutely. Absolutely. And sometimes we don't realize with those emotional pieces, there's emotional pain, psychological, you know, mental physical, there's so many different ways that the traumas can present themselves, you know, in our environments and our families and our, Mm -hmm. you know, where we grow up and, and we don't, we don't realize it. What I think is an interesting piece of this is that in my case, that wound then became my greatest gift. Well, that's just it. That's why I love your story so much because in order for you to actually turn the tragedy into a triumph, it required you to do something that was one of the hardest things for you to do, which was actually speak up, literally. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, like anything, it's a process. So I think it first starts with that inner drive or that, you know, that fire to say, no, no, this, I don't have to settle for this. I don't, this is not who I am. And so that is the spark. And that is a really, really important piece, I believe, because it's that spark that you need to have in order to persevere through the healing process. The healing process for any of us who have gone through it and who are on it right now, um, it's hard. And so to, to always hook into that spark of, of knowing why you're doing it and why it's important and that in, in any of that wounding and that trauma is there's a gift, there's seeds in there of wisdom. And I believe it's a call our spirit is calling us forward to heal that so that we can evolve and learn and grow and do what we need to do, you know, in this, in this lifetime. Right. Amen, sister. Putting out that little chapter that you're going to be talking about next. You are such a beautiful, like that metamorphosis butterfly effect kind of story for me. You're the epitome of that because you literally went from having a speech impediment due to trauma in your childhood. And now you are a renowned international professional speaker. Like talk about major transformation. Yeah, it's, uh, it's kind of bizarre, actually, when I think about it, but, but then it isn't, you know, because it, it's to me, it just seems like, well, yeah, I mean, it's, it has to do with the voice. And so there's something there, there's something about 
using that voice and then looking for ways to find platforms to then continue to use it. So it continuing to use it is part is also part of that healing process because I'm still on it, right? You said you went to a counselor, you started then that spark turned into a huge journey of self-development and healing. So going from that to where you are today, I know there's a lot of different things we could cover, but if you had to kind of nutshell basically what you're up to now, what would you say like your main intention and purpose and all of that is surrounding that today? Today, how, how this journey has unfolded is that what I've been healing from myself is something I believe that whatever that wound is that we have that trauma and we, you know, when we go through that healing process and we really dig into that and come out the other side, there's so much knowledge and wisdom that we have to share that we've gone through. We've been there. We walk the talk. We know at an intimate level what that looks like, what it feels like, what it, what needs to happen, where that comes into what I'm doing now is this whole thing about the voice was really about the wounding around not being seen and not being heard. So that's really what it boiled down to for me around, uh, around the, the speech impediment and the lack of voice. And so that really has then become, once I discovered that that's really what it was about, then I use that as the nugget, if you will, to bring into my work. When I work with my clients, um, business coaching, marketing, consulting, uh, self-leadership coaching, it is about the true nugget of that is being seen and being heard. Because when we're not getting our message out there in the world, we're unable to make an impact. So I've chosen to bring these lessons through the business model rather than becoming a life coach. I'm teaching these principles through the business model. And so my training and my specialty is in business growth and marketing and sales because my whole life has been about growth. So growth is another piece that I hook into because that's just part of, that's who I am. I'm all about growth. And in order to grow, you, you know, part of that is really around giving yourself permission to be seen and be heard in your business, understanding how to be perceived in the marketplace by your market so that they are resonating with your message, so that they're engaging with your services, so that you can grow your business and you can make more of an impact. And that's how I've pulled it into the, to the business model. So it is the essence of the brand. And then how I execute that is through strategies and tactics around sales, marketing systems to ultimately help business owners grow their business and take their business to the next level. So my specialty is really helping business owners when they're stuck to move forward to the next stage. So it's about helping them get traction to move forward to the next stage. There are five basic stages of business development, visibility, credibility, profitability, sustainability, and then scalability. And so I can help uh, business owners up level um, through each of the stages using those, uh, you know, having that be seen, be heard as that underpinning. I really help people navigate their growth on purpose. And that is what I help them do. 
Ooh, I love that. You help people navigate on purpose. That just like feels so good saying that. Mm, that's a delicious saying. Yeah, <laughs> I will say. That's a really good one. Yeah, it is a good one because when, you know, when I went through the self-discovery process of really understanding who I am and who I am as a person, who I am as a business, what really came out of that discovery was that I offer people a compass. That's one of my special skills. I give them a compass and a roadmap and I help them navigate in a very strategic way and a purposeful way. I think once you go through that process of really understanding who you are and what you're all about, it's very powerful because then that gives you something to almost like an archetype that you can wrap your work around. And, hmm. uh, and, and then you start to be that, you know, you, you live that. So that's the journey of how that all came about. Oh, I love this, Michaela. Thank you so much for sharing that. And what a beautiful tie between where you've come from and what you're doing today. And again, your story to me is just so inspiring because it really is that beautiful transformation from starting somewhere that was such a tragedy and turning that really into something that could then be a triumph for yourself. And I'm very curious because Pave Your Paradise podcast, as you know, is all about really just paving that paradise within, creating that inner happiness so that your relationships, your health, your business, your life can be happier and healthier and more harmonious. And I'm very curious because you're so self-aware and it's just so ingrained in all that you do with your clients. Do you find when you approach your clients and you start to peel back those layers as a coach, do you find the area that their, their business is lacking or struggling the most in? Do you find that when you start to peel back those layers, does it tend to stem from a childhood something, like a lack of something or some sort of childhood trauma? Yes, in a nutshell, um, there is always some sort of wounding, if you will, that is attached to whatever it is they're struggling with. It's, it's interesting how the process reveals itself and how it, you know, how it all unfolds. So a client might come to me and say, I want to grow my business. You know, I need, you know, I need help with, you know, marketing and sales, and, you know, strategy and a plan. Okay, great. So we get, you know, we, we start to sort of focus in on the very mechanics of, of the business and to assess the strengths and gaps in their business model and, and their sales and their marketing and what their goals are and where they want to go. And we start there, but then what I've noticed is, you know, we can put together a plan and then I help them uh, walk through that plan and support them through the execution of that. And typically there's a, a, like a tipping point that happens. So at the beginning, there's a lot of excitement, a lot of clarity, a lot of confidence that we have a plan, we have a roadmap for how to get there. They start working the plan, you know, we start getting traction, things are good. And then a couple of months in, something starts to happen. And when we take a look at that, it's always they're, they're then bumping up against themselves is what's happening. So that's why I always bring in the diagnostics. I, you know, that's one of my superpowers, if you will, is, is diagnostics around, you know, what is really going on here? What is the truth of what's going on here in your business? 
and then I use that Figuring as a out, like, the parallel. Yes, exactly. So for example, oh, we could take a look at what's going on in the business. Well, maybe they are, you know, maybe there's something around, you know, the money piece, right? So, you know, they're undercharging or they're over delivering or they're, you know, attracting the wrong type of client. For example, one client of mine, she just kept attracting the wrong type of client, like people who were broken almost, you know, people who really needed a lot of handholding, a lot of extra help, a lot of extra attention. And so when she was sharing the symptoms of what's happening in the business, like, why can't I attract this, you know, higher level client that's going to pay me more money and I know I'm worth it and all this kind of stuff. And when we really dove into that, what I discovered and what came up for me in that session, because I, I work both intuitively and strategically when I work with clients. So I'm always sensing into things um, and using, you know, both of those skills. What was coming up for me with her was that she was putting out too much of the mother energy. So like having to babysit essentially almost or fix kind of like nurture clients exactly. versus, ah, okay. Exactly, exactly. So in that case, she was, you know, she's the ultimate nurturer, right? She's the ultimate giver, over giver almost. And so that was frustrating her and that was working against her in her business and that's where she was spinning her wheels that's the piece that was coming up in that moment right and so that that thing is not going to be solved by strategies and plans that thing is going to be solved by figuring out what's really going on and what's behind that first of all recognizing how you're showing up in the world and are you putting out that sort of energy or are you acting that sort of way and then dismantling that and then seeing how to do things a little bit differently and, and rebuilding that habit and, and healing that wounding because that is uh, that overgiving, over nurturing, over mothering nature is it's a mechanism or a learned behavior. Yeah, exactly. And it's, it's typically related to something deeper, which might be related to something like, you know, I don't deserve to be loved unless I'm doing for others, or I'm not worthy unless I am giving of myself, or I don't matter because it's really about the other person. There's some kind of wounding. Um, There's some kind of wounding there that is then created these behaviors that are then causing those actions, right? And those reactions from the client. So it's, uh, it's all, it's all related and it, it requires, I think us to be really courageous to understand that the business journey, being a business owner, I always like to say the, your business is your spiritual teacher in disguise. I like that. Yeah. Whatever is undealt, whatever wounding you have that your spirit is calling you to heal in this lifetime, it'll show up (laughs) if you're paying attention. (laughs) Yes, awareness. I think awareness is like the big word that I was getting when you were describing this, because whether you work for someone else or you're a business owner yourself, which is the clients that you tend to work with are very successful individuals and they're finding themselves stuck in some area, hence why they want your help. You're helping them to basically figure out things that are far deeper than a surface level of just a business problem. Exactly. It's a human problem. 
right? And, you know, you as a, as a human being, you are in your business, running your business, you know, your business success will pretty much come down to how well you're working on your inner game as well as your outer game. Business owners and or anyone who's working away, if you're having an issue come up with work, chances are it's a reflection of something in your personal life or yourself personally. So exactly. I would say go and re- before you investigate the business, check in on yourself first. Exactly. Exactly. And that's, that's key. And to also be kind to yourself as you're going through that process and almost expect that to happen because it will, it really will. And it's, you know, we should welcome that, you know, because it's showing up for a reason for us to address it, for us to heal it so that we can become more whole because that's really what we're here to do. And when we become more whole, we become happier and more balanced and we are truly free. We're not slaves to what other people think or what happens in our external environment. And, uh, and so that's, isn't that what we all want? Like, pretty much yes that's paradise. We, you know, we exactly. want our inner paradise to reflect the outer paradise i love this michaela oh you exactly. so got it girl yeah exactly it's, uh, it's fascinating i'm gonna um segue into some questions that are a little bit more about just your personal journey so what do you wish you had known when you first started out i think what i wish i would have known earlier was that it is okay to be yourself. You know, I spent a lot of time trying to hide who I was because I didn't feel like I was good enough. I was imperfect. I was bad. If I had had the wisdom of someone to tell me or, you know, just the wisdom to know this myself that it's okay. Like imperfect is the new perfect, you know? Uh, Yes. I I think that would have been really helpful. So I know that you obviously shared your story and the transformation that led you to want to be what you are today. But when you, if you had to really just pinpoint one thing in particular, what really compelled you to want to become a coach and a leader for others and a speaker? So that has been a gradual process. If you had even asked me this question five years ago or 10 years ago when I initially launched my private practice, it's almost 10 years ago, I would not have known what to say. I mean, that was never my vision. My vision was always to heal, you know, heal myself, work on myself, work on myself. And through that, then the path started to unfold and become clear in terms of what direction I wanted to take the business. So when I initially started out, it was purely marketing consulting. And that's because that's what I knew and that's where I started. And so I took, I started walking the path knowing that I, that wasn't the end journey. That's all I knew. I knew that this wasn't the end journey. I don't really know what the end journey is. All I know is that I have to continue to work on myself and things will start to become clear. And they did. And every year it evolved. So, you know, the marketing consulting, then I realized that, oh, I can provide marketing plans to people to get more visibility, but it's not getting implemented. Oh, why isn't it getting implemented? Well, they're bumping up against themselves. Okay, well, now I want to help with that to help 
them unlock that piece. So then I went back and got retrained, added more skills. And so I just keep adding more skills and more training to my toolbox as I see what my customers and what the market needs, like where they're getting stuck next. And so Mm. it's been that evolutionary process of just adding skill set on top of skill set on top of skill set over the past 20 years I've been in business the first half I worked for uh, fast growth startups and then the the back half I've been uh, in my own practice so it's just one layer at a time and then you know as I continue to work on my own you know do my own personal work I got more and more clarity around this notion of my story and using my voice, I was then getting more clarity on my message. And then I was ready to start sharing the message once, once I had gotten to that point where I was clear and that's mm-hmm. when I wanted to then take it to the stage and, and, um, and, and write more and start my own podcast. And it just kept evolving um, as I was doing the personal growth work and paying attention to what my, customers and my clients where they were getting stuck and then I just paralleled those two things and wove them in and that's where I got my inspiration and my motivation and my direction if you will you know partly by accident and partly intentional just marrying those two together and continuing to walk that path and and then it's constantly evolving which is the great thing because I'm constantly evolving I love that. And I love that you brought up the, and the word you specifically used was toolbox, because I often refer to that on my podcast about there not being one, there's never one journey that's going to be the right one for everybody, especially when it comes to healing and self-growth and self-development and diving into your spiritual life and your emotions and your physical and mental well-being. We all basically, I believe, start with a toolbox and you basically spend your life filling it with the right tools that work specifically and individually for you (laughs) to evolve. And so interesting that you use that exact word because that's how I like to describe it. One of those tools that I really believe equates to a lot of people's success are daily habits. And I'm very curious to know what some of your daily habits are that you swear by for your success. I agree with the daily habits. Those are hugely important. Over the years, I've developed various habits that I that I weave in to to my day. You know, let me just give some context here in, with with regards to the habits. Is I believe in nur- nurturing each part of ourselves. So we've got what we eat. You know, where we spend our time, how we manage our energy. Uh, who we hang around with, what our environment looks like in terms of our physical environment. So I have developed habits in in as many of these areas as possible um, because I find that that's just, I take a holistic approach to everything. So it's for me, that really works. So as an example, it would be uh, making sure that I get enough sleep. So I'm in bed usually by 1030 um, and then, you know, I'm up maybe by eight, I actually sleep quite a lot and I need that sleep and I know I need it. So I just organize myself around that uh, instead of trying to force myself to do something that doesn't work for my body. Um, In terms of food, nourishing myself is really important. So I eat 
three meals a day. I sit down and I, I don't have any distractions when I'm eating. I eat, I try and make all of my own food as much as practical and eat organic food and all of that kind of stuff. So eating and sleeping, hugely important. Uh, I like to take baths. So sometimes I take a bath in the morning to just uh, center myself and get ready for the day and think about what it is that I want to accomplish and, you know, what, you know, what kind of energy and attitude I'm bringing into the day. Sometimes I take the bath at nighttime and do it more as a reflection on the day. Um, but that, those have been really important for me. Um, screen time is huge. So I don't have any technology in my bedroom. I don't use my cell phone for my alarm clock. I don't, you know, um, have any screens in the bedroom at all. Sleeping is for me, it's a sacred thing, <laughs> just like eating is a sacred thing. So I don't do te technology while I'm eating or uh, in bed. And for me, that's really important as a sensitive I have to have that unplugged time. Otherwise, if I always feel like I'm plugged into something, then I just, I'm constantly feeling drained. So that is, that's another important piece for me. Um, environment is really important in terms of making sure that I have a space that's dedicated to work, a space that's dedicated to my reflections or meditations or intentions which is another habit that I have on a daily basis usually in the morning I, I set my intentions I do my you know prayers and affirmations I sit quietly there's a lot of reflection time that I build into my day um, and I also journal as a as another way of reflecting and processing so uh, I leave a lot of white space for processing time so that I can really you know, integrate what I'm learning and be aware and just take a really conscious approach to my life. So everything that I do, at least I try as much as possible to be conscious about how I'm moving throughout my day and really making, trying to make the best choices for my optimum, you know, mental health, physical health, Yes, um, you know, all that kind of stuff. So it's actually, yes. like, you know, sometimes I feel like it's a full-time job, to be honest. And <laughs> job thank you for saying that but it's true <laughs> it's totally true it's a full-time job and so like all these things you know like reading quietly meditating doing the yoga getting you know going you know, exercising or hitting the gym like all of these things that I that I try and weave into my day in some form or another or weave into my week it is it takes effort it takes effort and energy and you know it's a it's commitment, a consistency. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a dedication. It's like a full time relationship to yourself through self care rituals. <laughs> That's exactly what it is. That's exactly what it is, and it's just like anything in life. If you're really serious about that thing that you're trying to achieve or or do or to heal or the goal that you have, it require that's that's what it requires. And so it, for me, it's been a choice and sometimes I get it right. And sometimes I don't, but I keep showing up. <laughs> you know? I, I love that you're saying this though, Michaela, because I think for a lot of people, it can feel overwhelming at times, but when you actually shift the mindset around it to what you're describing right now, 
for people who want more success, because it's like so many people equate their like, what does the word success mean? You know, Mm -hmm. a lot of people equate that to having amazing relationship, having their purposeful uh, work and their career success, and also their health and like all of these things lining up and being successful, quote unquote, it really always stems from you and really how much you're devoting your time and energy into self-care first, because that's ultimately going to reflect and help you to achieve all of that other stuff. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, let's be honest, I wasn't always like this. So I am a recovering perfectionist, recovering busyholic, recovering overgiver, recovering do for everybody person. I mean, I am in recovery to all of those things, right? And so, Ditto, the- girlfriend, <laughs> you know, on all of the above, right? And so, when you're in recovery, that's when I find you have to pull in the tools. Otherwise, you know, it just it, you drown, right? It just doesn't. You, you can't function, and so, and it, it's difficult to heal on your own. So it's by you know learning by fire so to speak right so I mean even to this day you know I you know recovering overachiever like all of these things and and you know you should have seen my my calendar you know when I you know for the first couple of years starting out I mean I didn't have any white space in my calendar it was like blocked with you know one thing at one meeting after the next after the next I got to do this I got to do that hustle here hustle there and it's just I kept like going on this six week cycle of burning out and literally yeah. just like ending up in the fetal position, you know, on the floor, like rocking back and forth. Right. So, um, you know, it's, it's a process of, it has been a process of, like you said, building those tools in the, in the toolkit. And there's nothing greater than when you are forced to learn because you're suffering so much and there's so much pain, whatever that looks like, whether it's emotional, physical, mental pain and suffering from, from trauma or from wounding, there's nothing like that kind of intensity to really light a fire under you to, mm-hmm. to find a solution so that you can be okay. Amazing stuff. Oh my goodness. So many golden nuggets of wisdom in that. I, you did mention something I'm curious to dive a little deeper into. I'm such a fan of morning routines and everybody that I can think of who's achieved some degree of success in their life usually has uh, a morning routine that they like to follow. And, you know, people's can look very different from one to the next, but I'm very curious what your morning routine looks like. My morning routine, so uh, when I get up in the morning, I usually lay in bed. So like I said, there's no phones. I don't check my phone or anything like that. I just lay there for a couple of minutes and just really kind of allow myself that time to give gratitude and to just sort of be intentional intentional about how I'm going to then get up and what I'm going to do next. And I find it's just, it's a pause and the pause is important so that I don't get up and start doing things right away because that to me is it just, that never works. So that intentional pause in the morning is almost like a, um, a reminder for me to slow down. You're entering your day 
how do you want to do that? <laughs> you know, like you are just about to start another big day full of possibilities. What do you want that to look like? Now's your time to shape that. And so that pause gives me that just that sort of break to set that intention and be purposeful about what I want to do next. So that's the very first thing that happens. Um, and then typically I go to my yoga mat and sit and, um, and that's, you know, just a, a very short sitting practice again to say my, you know, affirmations and my, um, uh, intentions for the day. I have sort of a protocol, if you will, that I go through and it's really a set of intentions and affirmations that I've collected over time. And something, sometimes it's something that I'm working with, like uh, a belief, like a new belief that I'm working with, that I'm working on. And so I, you know, I remind myself what that is, you know? And so usually it's, you know, some people call it mantras or prayers, but combination of, of, of that, um, and then typically I make coffee because <laughs> I love coffee and, uh, and but so first coffee, yes, but first <laughs> coffee. Um, and I love coffee and it's coffee has like, everything is energy. Right. And so what I, yeah. discovered, what I've, <laughs> what I've discovered about energy, about coffee is that it's not only the caffeine, that gives me energy. It's just the coffee. Like it's just the taste yeah. of it. I love it. It's it a ritual. It's literally like, I mean, I, I think you and I would resonate in this, even when you're describing the bath, like for me, when I take a shower or bath, it's almost like it can really reflect how I'm it, like my whole energy goes into the whole process of it in making it an actual something like, you know, the shower bath is becoming like a cleansing opportunity for me from my day versus, you know, with a coffee, maybe it's you sitting there and just being observant of the smell of it and the warmth of the cup and just making it so much more than just having a, a, a cup of coffee. Exactly. That's exactly what it is. Because the way that I look at things is very similar to the way you do as well. For me, everything is a meditation practice, to be honest. So, yes! whether, you know, like, oh, whether I love I'm, that. yeah, it is. And, and whether I am making coffee, or whether I'm cooking dinner, I love cooking and being in the kitchen, whether I'm even washing the dishes or folding laundry, whatever it is, to me, that's reflection time that's just no thinking time that is just being trying to be being present. fully present yes yeah. we both yeah. it's literally a, it's a gift to yourself to really be present in that it, moment it really is and you know because in this day and age there's so much noise and there is so much so many distractions and everyone I feel like at times everyone wants a piece of me everyone wants a piece of my time my energy my you know they want my eyeballs on something they want my feedback on something I mean that's just you know human beings like when you interact with people there that's what it's all about right we have to interact and so um, I find that my primary focus is always how can I buy back those moments of time how can I buy back those quiet moments because the rest of the day is crazy I mean it is so loud it's so loud it's so crazy and so instead of 
going crazy with the day and being pulled along and then only to realize at 10 o'clock at night that you haven't really eaten properly, you haven't gotten any exercise, you haven't really, you know, set any intentions or done anything intentional, you've just been dragged around. Like, I feel like if I, if I do that, I feel like I've just been beaten up. So, and it's not practical to like take two hours out of the day and just sit there and meditate, right? Totally. <laughs> so it's about how can we bring more practicality from these tools that we learn on the yoga mat, from the tools that we uh-huh. learn from reading the books and from watching the inspirational videos, how can we, those little tools that we learn, how can we then weave them through our day-to-day lives so that we are creating that yin and yang experience throughout yes. the day? It's totally. I love it because it brings us back to the beautiful experience of your coffee each morning and you just being fully present and the fact that you love it so much. And I like I could just picture you just totally taking that whole thing in and like for other people to just like slam them and you're standing there like just like totally invigorated by this entire process. So after the coffee, then what do you do in your morning routine? So then would be the bath. And the bath is, again, a place where I am, um, you know, there's bubbles and there's candles and the lights are out. And um, I typically have um, a, an audio that I listen to. I've got a couple of different audios, so a guided me- meditation, if you will. Um, and there, each of them are different. So one of them is around goals, like a, a goal pl- br- blueprint. Others, you know, there's various things around um, just some some of the some some of the goals that I set out for myself, and just a guided meditation around that. So a lot of visualization, really. Um, I pick a different audio to listen to, um, and sometimes I don't do the audio. Sometimes I just sit, you know in silence and just think through, you know, what, what I'm going to bring to the day and what that looks like and what I want this day to, to feel like. And so a visualization in and of itself, but not necessarily Uh guided by audio. So that's where that usually comes in. And so at this point, I still have not checked my email or turned my computer on um, because I need to be ready to do that mentally, you know, mentally, physically, because I know that once I turn the devices on and I get going, I'm, I'm in it, you know? Yeah. Fully engaged in that then. Yeah. Then I'm fully engaged in that. And, and then I don't usually stop until it's until lunchtime and then I'll get up from my computer and make myself lunch, sit down and eat it away from my computer and just in silence usually or just quiet you know and um so that's kind of takes me that's the morning wow there's (laughs) so much I think that others can take away from that not just the actual routine and activities that you specifically choose to do but I think just just your overall presence and being present in all that you do is just that alone if someone who is listening right now could take that practice of actually being there now. And I'm so guilty of this (laughs) being distracted at times or, you know, trying to multitask and do things. 
And, and if, if we can all just be a little bit more present in the moments as they're actually happening, what a transformation I think anyone would achieve in their lives. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because it, you know, there's so many benefits, right? It, even just that break from the noise is so, so beneficial. It's like, it's, it's almost like that breath of fresh air. Yes, that happens, right? I'm not going to say it's just digital because there's a lot of distractions. Sometimes our own minds can be their own distractions. But Mm -hmm. I will say digital detox or just external detox, that is, I think, a key in really just in increasing inner joy, inner being more in tune with yourself and really just having that inner dialogue where everything else is turned off. That goes, you know, back to what we talked about originally with just having that inner voice. It's like when you can tune out, you're able to tap in to that inner voice that you that you have. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that requires practice and um, it, it requires focus because if we've got too much noise externally, then we can't hear ourselves, you know, we can't, we can't really tune in into, you know, what our spirit or, you know, you know, what our higher self is, is asking for. So one of, one of the things that um, I built into my practice on a daily basis is, is those moments to tune in. And so I almost give myself a timeout in some cases where I just go back, you know, in the middle of the day, I'm working on something and I'm stuck or I'm spinning, spinning my wheels on something or can't make a decision or what have you. And I literally walk away from the computer, sit on my yoga mat and just be quiet and tune in and ask, you know, ask questions. And I think this is a really uh, important tool and skill that we all have available to us is to tap into that inner wisdom but that requires us to to like you said to turn inwards and to start having that conversation that dialogue within ourselves Um, and I think as the world gets more and more noisy and so many distractions I think you know it's I think people are there's a lot of anxiety, you know, there's a lot of anxiety around people don't know how to necessarily make the right decision because there's so much noise and so many possibilities, so many options and, you know, so many distractions and -and so-and-so is telling me to do it this way. And, you know, on social media, I'm hearing, you know, this is the thing to do and everybody's got an opinion about everything. And so at a certain point, you know, that is crazy if we can't tune in and just find out, what we what we already know uh to be true and tap into that wisdom we have such great wisdom within ourselves you and i are so similar in so many ways and i love that we're we're so (laughs) we like vibe at the same frequency and and so many things that you say i'm just like "Mm -hmm." and i actually did a podcast on the topic of indecision because of exactly what you're describing right now and just that we're living in such a loud world right now where it's just so hard to be able to even tune into ourselves. So I created a whole podcast on indecision and helping people navigate on making the decisions in their lives. And it is all about tuning within and really helping people to ask themselves helpful questions in order to get to that end answer that they're seeking, but it's all within. 
Like that's, that's the point that I'm trying to make now is that it's all within yourself as you're saying. And that's a beautiful segue actually into one of the questions that I have for you, which is what support or resources are available and what are your personal recommendations as far as things that you've struggled with? Like what are some of your go-tos? What are some other support or resources you can recommend for people out there? Oh, there are so many, you know, especially now with the growth of the personal development, health and wellness industry. One of the things is, you know, quieting the mind, right? I think that is, is something that is, would be helpful for people to learn. And so when we look at that, okay, well, quieting the mind, because that helps us tune in, right? So how do you do that? Well, there's a number of different tools that you could use for that. So it can be from finding a meditation class to go to and learning some meditation um, tips and tricks and, and, and how to do that. It can be going on to YouTube or um, online source to get some sort of guided meditation. So I think meditation is one of the keys is learning uh, using that as a tool to, Mm -hmm. to quiet the mind. Um, I think something else that people can do with regards to quietening the mind is to create some sort of a sacred space for yourself within your home. That is a place that you can go to and it's quiet and it is a place that you enjoy spending time in. Maybe you have candles, maybe you have a yoga mat you sit on, maybe it's a cushion. Maybe there are crystals and spirit guide cards. (laughs) No, I'm not talking about anyone in particular. Uh, Yeah, exactly, (laughs) exactly. So, you know, it doesn't need to be, and it doesn't even need to be that. It doesn't need, you don't have to. No, I'm I'm just joking there. But, you know, I, I think the point that you're trying to make is it, correct me if I'm wrong, but just really personalizing it. So it's a place that you feel great about and you really feel like you can be alone with yourself and that you're fully supported by that environment. Absolutely. That would be one thing that comes to mind. I think having somebody that you can talk to is really important. Somebody that's on the same journey as you. So whether it's a mentor, a friend, uh, a coach, a therapist, a somebody who can be that support for you and and just be the champ, be a champion almost, because it's really hard. I find I have found it to be very difficult to be on the journey of waking up and healing and doing it all by myself. And so I think finding that person or those people that can help you keep your head in the game, if you will, and keep, mm-hmm. you know, and keep you focused and, you know, be that cheerleader and, and be there for you when things aren't so easy and, or when, you know, when you want to talk things through. So I think having a person or people in place, um, I think at least one person uh, to be a champion, if you will, I think is really important. Um, to hold that space and to just allow you to be who you are and, you know, support you in that 
Um, yes. You know, I think that's key. Yes. Yeah. All of the above. I love it all. Oh, so <laughs> many, so many amazing pointers there, Michaela. Thank you. I'm very curious about what you are curious about right now. Anything? Anything at all? Anything at all. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. I'm curious about so many things. I am. I'm curious about everything. I'm curious about my gosh. That's a big question, Andy. <laughs> I'll help you out there, sister. Don't worry. Okay. What was the last thing that really piqued your interest that made you want to explore research it more? Oh, okay. That's, that's good. Good direction. A couple things, actually. The, the, the one thing that has caught my attention lately is, to be honest, is CBD, CBD oil. Yeah. Funny you say that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not even joking either. Like I'm not just saying this with the podcast. It's, I, it's totally been on my radar too, but I would love to know why, why is that something that's, that you're so curious about right now? Well, it's, um, timely, I guess, you know, it, everything is just, to me, everything happens for a reason and its own divine timing. And so just seeing the, the, patterns come up. And so the CBD oil was brought to my attention by a number of different people. And by the third time (laughs) it was mentioned, I thought, okay, this keeps coming up. What is this about? And so that was really the inspiration is that I had colleagues and family and just various people who were using CBD oil or are using it as a way to, as a tool, to be honest, mm-hmm. as a tool mm-hmm. to support their uh, mental health, if you will, and just allow them to calm the mind, calm the busyness of the mind so that they're at a place where they can have more clarity and, and just function at a more optimum level, if you will. So that's really, and I, you know, I didn't even realize And one client of mine said she was using it for headaches and I didn't, I, I just, I had no idea. And I thought, well, this, there's gotta be something here. So that has inspired me to look into it and see how it can be used as a tool in from anything from headaches to like for me in particular, I, you know, I'm a sensitive. And so I'm, I'm, I sense into energy and sometimes that energy is not even mine. Yes. And so that, you know, could be a way perhaps, you know, I can test it out right with the CBD oil. Like how can I maybe use that as a way when I am feeling energy that I know that's not mine, that is unhelpful to me that I can, Uh you know, that maybe I can use that as a way to, get me back to my natural state these are just questions right yeah totally very similar experience in that knowing a number of people who've tried it for various reasons I'm also very curious to see how it would affect me in different states regarding different things like for example with stress or anxiety and how that might be affected and also like you I'm very um, I'm an empath I just wanted to clarify that too for the listeners out there when you say you're like very sensitive do you equate that to being the same as being an empath yes I do 
Yeah. Okay. So we're on the same, <laughs> of <laughs> course. <laughs> like, why wouldn't it be? Yeah. Similar thing. Like, I'm so sensitive to the energies, and and when I say energy, that could be so many things. It could be people. It could be environments. It could be you know things that happen around me and events and situations. And so I would be curious to see if maybe my reaction would be different if I was taking CBD and as well as sort of feeling that external stress, if that would have an impact on maybe anxiety that sometimes comes up for me. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. What you're saying is, is totally resonates with <laughs> well, me too. We'll have to do this experiment and then we'll have to come back and maybe we'll even do a podcast episode in the future on our CBD experiences. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh my gosh. That would be hilarious. What? I know we're kind of going from one of the spectrum about success, 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 but I really believe believe that it's important to talk about the things that you've had to work through as well, because we have talked about some of those, but what's something that you failed at? Oh my gosh, so many things. Here's the thing about failure, in my opinion. There's, you know, there's definitely been times where I feel like, whoa, this is, you know, I've had like epic fails, right? Um, But I think that there, that when I look back on my definition of failure over the years, I feel like I'm failing all the time, you know, because failing is just to me, it's not really failure. It's like, Oh, that, you know, that didn't work so well. So what did we learn from that? You know? And, and so I, I almost feel like now when I look back on it, it's like my life is just like one uh, failure, which let, which has led to a learning or a growth that could be big events like my marriage, you know, my first marriage was, you know, people could say that was a failure. I think it happened for a reason now that I'm looking back on it, but yeah, that didn't go so well, you know, um, you know, yeah. the first business that I had with, you know, with um, uh, my ex-husband that, you know, didn't go as planned. Uh, people would say, people might say that's a failure. So my definition uh-huh. of failure has changed, you know, over the years. And, um, and so now I'm, I just try and get comfortable with the idea that literally every day is a fail, like, you know, uh, otherwise there's no growth. So like, you know, even just as an example of the last couple of weeks, I have completely overscheduled myself that is a fail. Like, like, you know, that is just something that, that now that I'm looking back on it, it's like, "Mm, that was not a good idea. So So do you basically in your mind reframe failure as rather than looking at it as something that you did wrong per se, it's more of just a continual learning process? I do now. I have reframed it now. I used to be really afraid of failure as a, you know, as a perfectionist, right? If I wasn't perfect, I was a failure. That's, Hmm. that was my... It was one or the other in your mind. Exactly. It was one or the other. Um, But over the years, part of the healing of that wounding of the perfectionist is to, to overcome that fear of seeming to be imperfect or... Um, being afraid of being judged for not being perfect. And so out of that healing process, I've really learned and I'm still learning to reframe that and, and be okay with the fact that 
be okay with having, uh, you know, if I'm going to write a blog post, be okay with, you know, just know that it's going to, the first draft is going to be crappy. How did you overcome that hurdle? Because that's a huge shift in your mindset towards living so many years as that perfectionist or wanting to achieve that impossible perfection and then actually being able now today to be like, you know what, 80% is good enough. Like, how did you overcome that? That has been a really long process and I am still overcoming it, if you will. I'm still on the journey. I've come a long way, a really long way, but it's taken me a really long time to do that. I mean, it's taken me, I've been on this journey of several decades, right? And so what has, what I've noticed is the more I work on myself, the more the the more those wounds start to heal themselves on their own. So it's, um, so for example, when I was moving through the, the healing, initial healing stages of the, of the speech impediment to, you know, to work on those pieces, I uh, searched out a speech therapist because I wanted to work on the speech problem, right? The motor skill of the speech problem. We started working on the speech problem through skills. And what we realized was we weren't solving the problem. It wasn't going away. My speech impediment was getting worse because I was getting, I was having anxiety about the fact that we were doing all this motor skill work and it wasn't working. It wasn't helping. And so that we weren't treating the problem. We were treating the symptom. This is what I'm trying to get at here is that with the perfectionism and with the failure, like that fear of failure or um, the perfectionism piece, that is a symptom. And so that's why we have to uncover the truth and the, the, the wounding of the core issue that is causing the perfectionism that is causing us to fear the failure. Uh, yeah, to, to fear uh, making mistakes and, and not wanting to quote unquote fail. And so the more, so bringing that then back to the original question, which was the, the fear of failure and how I'm, you know, learning how to be more compassionate with myself and kind to myself through that process and the reframe it first took me uh, the, it first took um, that look at, well, what is this about? So it wasn't obvious. You had to basically stumble into that evolutionary process of overcoming it. Exactly. I first had to figure out what am I dealing with here? Like why, why, why is this happening? Why, why do I have, I mean, why the limiting is, belief in your head. Exactly. Why do I have the limiting belief? Why is this happening? And so then through those series of whys and that inquiry and that, that self-inquiry, that's how I then pieced together the story that I told earlier about my childhood and I pieced it all together and the stutter and how I overcame that. It was through asking those why questions to determine the source and, you know, what was really going on. So the, you know, there's, there's lots of literature nowadays <laughs> that, you know, will shortcut the process like Brene Brown, right? She talks about, she talks about, I love Brene. 
Yeah, me too. She talks about the fact that um, perfectionism is a cover up for shame. And so really, then we need to look at the shame. So it's, we're, you know, that's what's under, perhaps that's what's underneath the perfectionism. And then so then we need to look at the shame. And so where does that come from? And, you know, what is that all about? And, and so that I think is the first step is to uncover like what's really going on. Like what is the truth? Because the, the behavior is the symptom of something greater. And then we can, once we start unpacking all of that, that's what I did. It was um, that self-inquiry, that unpacking it, really understanding it. I went to therapy for many years and we started to really then dig into um, the family system side of things. Stop doing speech therapy because that wasn't working. Started doing uh-huh. more family systems therapy, figuring out where, you know, what the core wounding was all about. And then rebuilding up my confidence and my, my skills. And then funny enough, once I started to rebuild that confidence and really understanding myself and where the, where that wounding was originating and how I needed to then start to piece that back together and heal that, the more confidence I got, the less I stuttered. Interesting. So I didn't have to work on motor skills. That was not the thing to work on. The thing to work on was the confidence. It's a light bulb because I feel like so many people struggle with this. It's like a Band-Aid on a bullet wound. They're not addressing the actual deep-rooted trauma. They're addressing the symptom. Exactly. And so the more confident I got, the less I stuttered. And then I used tools for that. So I used the therapy to help me uh, with the discovery process, Um, you know, a lot of different you know the you know journaling and reading up on psychology and learning about the human brain and all of these things the self-study that I did as well as well as working with practitioners so that I could start to really integrate the learning and then I decided I was going to do something that I had always wanted to do but was too scared to do was to learn how to dance and so (laughs) that's really out there exactly because what happened was you know and again spirit calls in many interesting ways we just need to be there to listen and to and to hear the call I had walked into a Spanish bistro and was having dinner there one night and this flamenco dance troupe comes on the stage and they start the principal dancer starts to dance and she's dominating the room and she's got this energy that is just like on fire and she is being seen and she is being heard and something just woke up inside of me and I didn't have words for it at the time but I saw her and I thought I want to learn how to do that I want to learn to stand there and and be okay with people's eyes on me and so I use dance as a tool to get confident that first first, uh, year with dance I was you know, my teacher wanted to put me on stage. I had extreme performance anxiety. I was 30 years old, extreme performance anxiety. And she wanted to put me on stage. By the end of the first year, I did end up performing on that stage. And then after, you know, many years of, of being on, on different stages, um, my confidence grew, but I used dance as a tool. So the tools and the teachers are everywhere. As long as we know, what oh, I love core, this. Right? yeah. As long as we know what that core problem is that we're dealing with, then we're dealing with the right thing. The tools and the toolbox metaphor is just so prevalent in self growth, and it just speaks 
to, you know, your personal story that you shared and the dance element, I mean, there's so many resources. There's so many different tools that are available to us at all times that can help us to develop and also refine different qualities and skill sets that we want to achieve or learn in our lives. Absolutely. And so the tools, you know, identifying what the main root cause is, that's key. Having the right tools, that's also key. Um, you know, having that drive and that inspiration to want to grow and want to heal. That is also very important to staying on track. And then having those support systems in place are so key because the journey is not easy. I mean, it is a, you, you, you know, you are a spiritual warrior. Anybody who is on this journey of healing and waking up and becoming whole is on, you know, is on the road to being a spiritual warrior. And you got to surround yourself with other spiritual warriors and you got to just find ways to be fierce about, you know, getting, staying on track and, and really um, being persistent and, and sticking to it, even though it's so hard and uh, you know, there's plenty of opportunities to get knocked back, but staying the course, that's what it's all about. What has been one life-changing or defining moment or time in your life? There have been a number of pivotal moments. I would say that the one that stands out for me in this moment is when I, which led me to start my own uh, coaching and consulting practice, uh, was the moment when I was really going through a difficult time with my marriage. And um, at the same time, you know, we had a business. And so we were also business partners. So that was also, we were having, you know, there were some issues there. And, um, my father had been diagnosed with cancer. And so then that third element came in around his health and supporting uh-huh. him and supporting my mom. And all of these events came together in this perfect storm. And, um, and uh, I was really just kind of had a come to Jesus moment with myself which was really about, okay, you know, if you are, if 10 years from now, the situation that you're in with all of these things that aren't really working well for you, um, if 10 years from now, the situation remains the same, are you going to be okay with that? Because if you're going to be okay with that, then just suck it up and just get on with things. If nothing changes, And all of these things that are not working in your life or are broken or just, you know, draining you or negative influences or toxic or whatever, if, um, if nothing changes, then, and if you're not okay with that, then you need to make a move now. Don't wait 10 years from now, five years from now. If you're not going to be, you know, if nothing changes, then you got to make a move now. And that's what I did. And I changed pretty much everything in my life uh, from that defining question, because I knew, I knew that I just, there needed to be a breaking point. There needed to be a change. And I just had to really get honest with myself 
And it was really hard. I had to start over in many areas of my life. And it was, you know, but that was that breakdown and that falling apart of literally every single area in my life led to the rebuilding of what it is now, almost 10 years later and the work I'm doing and all of that. So it's, it's good to have those uh, truthful talks with yourself from time (laughs) to time, you know? I think it's it's hard, but if the pain, you know, if you're listening to the to your soul call, if you're listening to your spirit and you're just not it's just not working and it wasn't for me. I was spinning, I was frustrated, I was exhausted, I was burning out, I was all these things. I just knew a change needed to happen and it needed to start with me. The way in which you describe the breakdown, I often say, you know, it's a lot of times the breakdown we have that ends up allowing us to have the breakthrough. And it sounds like in that case, that was a really pivotal time in your life. And oh my goodness, those questions, the questions that you just said, I think are so important for people to consciously and continually commit to asking themselves as those check-ins in their life, because that is what leads you to those those really tough conversations you have to have within, but that's what ends up leading you to that through. Absolutely. And we have to be honest with ourselves. And, and that's what is another version of stepping into our voice. So stepping mm. into our voice means can mean many different things. It doesn't need to mean being a speaker and speaking on a stage. It can mean stepping into your voice can mean um, signing up for that dance class, even though you're, you know, you have performance anxiety, it can mean, you know, having that tough conversation with yourself and just asking yourself the question. Um, It can mean, you know, saying no when your habit is to say yes. It can mean putting up your hand and volunteering for something or signing up for something um, that, you know, you wouldn't normally do. It's Mm -hmm. it's all of these things. It's... um, it uh, doesn't have to be the grand gesture of, of public speaking or writing a book. It's, it's literally being your own advocate, being your own best friend. That is, to me, that is true empowerment. Like, that's what we're doing, right? We're building our own uh, sense of empowerment by doing that and learning then to trust ourselves, to, to look within for the answers. That is the ultimate in empowerment, That's amazing. Empowerment, you just summed it up so beautifully in one sentence. If you could recommend one book that could positively change someone's life, aside from, of course, some of your own writings, what book would it be? There is a book called uh, The Feeling Good Handbook. And that is the one I would recommend. That is a really good tool for um, understanding your own um, uh, cognitive distortions and limiting beliefs. And so it's a really good way to, it's a good self-diagnostic tool to really start learning about your own patterns and what your tendencies are. And, And like we talked about earlier, once you know the truth of the wounding that you need to uh, address, then you can move forward from there. And that's a good uh, book to help uh, diagnose what some of those um, negative, um, unhelpful patterns might be. What quote do you live by and why that one? 
what quote do I live by? There is a quote by Anais Nin. And you may have heard it before. She says, the day came when the risk to remain tight in a bud was more painful than the risk it took to blossom. And I love that quote because there's so much wisdom in there uh, when we really unpack those words because it's so, it's so true. You know, it's the risk is greater when we remain where we are, when we remain, when we hide, when we shrink back, when we're not uh, stepping out and being our full selves, our best selves, uh, it's actually more painful to do that rather than to take the risk and the leap and the courage to grow and blossom. So I love that because that's really... I think a guide that I've used in, in my entire life when I'm looking to up level and to expand and grow to my next level. Um, I always remember that. Mm, that just made my heart smile. <laughs> that was so beautiful. Uh, what do you feel most grateful for in your life right now? One thing that I feel most grateful for is is courage. That's, that's what I would say is courage, courage, um, within myself to listen and to heed the call to continue to move forward. The courage that I see other people taking on a day-to-day basis to step into, you know, their next best self courage. That is, I'm grateful for that. I'm inspired by that. And um, we're all on a courageous journey. If we're, if we're living on this planet, <laughs> um, it takes great courage to, to do that and to do it well and to do it uh, purposefully. So that is uh, what I'm most grateful for right now. If you could have lunch with one person alive or dead, who would it be? Oprah just popped into my mind. So I think I would say Oprah. Do you have any guilty pleasures? I love chocolate and I love red wine and chocolate I would say those are two things of course I'm going to choose something that's related to food but uh (laughs) (laughs) okay that's perfect because my last question if you could only eat one food for the rest of your life what would it be it would be um a fries it would be french fries it would be some kind of potato product I love potatoes (laughs) I don't know what, I think it's just like the carbs and the sugar. I don't know what it is, but potato chips, uh, roasted potatoes, mashed potatoes, French fries, any kind of potato. That's, I think. Okay, so if there's anybody out there listening who works for a potato product company, you have a guaranteed spokesperson on Pave Your Paradise podcast right now. And I know she would do really well with the marketing of it too. I'm just saying. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Okay. Okay. Winding it down now. What are you most excited about that's coming up for you? Oh, wow. Next year, I'll be going into my 10th year in um, the iteration of my coaching and consulting practice. And I'm just really excited about the constant evolution, to be honest. I mean, I'm, there's, there's, for me, it's about the big picture. It's always about the big picture. And so just that constant evolution of, oh, what is, you know, I'm, I have, I'm having so many 
great conversations and connections with different people and finding, you know, um, collaborations and partnerships with people who are really value aligned. And I'm really excited about what that will, what will come of that, what that, what those relationships are going to, you know, what we're going to create together, how, what that ripple effect is going to be like, um, you know, as we move into, as I move into that, that next year. So that's, I think the, one of the things that I'm most excited about right now is just, uh, the future. Yeah. Like the future possibilities of what that evolution might, might be. And as this is Pave Your Paradise podcast, what does paradise mean to you? How would you personally define paradise? Hmm. For me, paradise is, is equated with freedom. And so this is, some people can call it sovereignty. I call it sovereignty sometimes, so, you know, being able to be your sovereign self, being able to be free, free of the bondage, free of, you know, the pain and truly be um, in bliss, I guess. That would be one way of, of describing it. So freedom, bliss, sovereignty, um, smiling on the inside, <laughs> um, that to me is, is the ultimate in, in paradise. Mm, so, so good. Mm. And is there anything you wish we had talked about today? I think we covered a lot of juicy topics. Um, I don't think there's anything that we missed yeah, I had deep and, deep and delicious convo. And how can I and the audience of listeners serve you? How can we help you in the highest way? That's a really good question. And I think that for me, it's, you know, what I love to see and what really lights me up is when people are taking those courageous steps to step into your voice, give yourself permission to tap in, to listen to your inner wisdom, to um, give yourself permission to be seen and to be heard. That to me is the ultimate because that's what it's all about for me. And if all of us are doing that and we're all living our truth, then we're all growing. We're all evolving. We're all stepping into who we're truly meant to be. And um, I would love that because then we're all modeling it for each other. And that just gives us all the strength to keep doing it and to keep doing it. And so that we can reach that level of, of freedom and bliss. And it's, it's, it takes a team to do that. And uh, so that I think is my big ask is just give yourself permission. Yeah. Give yourself permission and step into that and, um, and, and, and don't give up. We're yeah, all, girl. Yeah, we're all learning, right? We're all learning from each other. We're all getting inspired from one another. And it's so important to keep that circle going. So, yes, yes, I love it. Where is the best place to find you to learn more about you and what you do? So I am on most social media channels, um, Facebook, Instagram, um, and LinkedIn, my website probably is the best hub, MichaelaQuilici.com, M-I-C-H-E-L-A-Q-U-I-L-I-C-I.com. That's 
probably the best uh, place to go. And, um, and then you can find me, uh, find all of my links on the website. Amazing. Michaela, thank you so, so much from the bottom of my heart. For everyone listening, I just want to say this woman is someone you definitely want to follow because she is not only going places, but just such a sweet soul on this planet. And she's doing so much goodness in this world. Thank you so much for joining me on Pave Your Paradise podcast. I wish you the most beautiful day. Thank you so much, Mandy. It's been such a pleasure and so fun to chat with you today and just love what you're doing uh, in the world and just so uh, grateful to be part of that journey. So thank you. I will say too, Michaela and I definitely support one another and we met by chance, but I feel like we remain uh, friends and soul sisters by choice. And I really just want to say as a beautiful example of especially uh, not just women supporting women, but souls supporting other souls, you know, this relationship that we've developed is one that I really appreciate because we constantly are there for one another. So just putting that extra love out there for you guys, uplift someone else today, you know, show some someone else out there who's doing some great things in the world, some love and just support them too. Absolutely. Great advice. Love it. Thanks so much for joining me. If there's anyone you know who you think could benefit from hearing today's episode, it would mean the world if you'd share it with them. Love what you heard? Then please subscribe. If you really love what you heard, then please leave a review with your honest and loving thoughts. This podcast wouldn't be possible without your support. If you feel called to, please make contributions to my podcast fund that helps me to keep it going strong, bringing on amazing guests for you, and to continue the ripple effect of spreading goodness in the world. I appreciate you, your time, and your energy, and I love hearing from you, so drop me a line on social media. As always, I'm wishing you a positive day and your own piece of paradise. Until next time, sending you love and light and keep shining.